are here with Patrick Bet David, founder of Value Entertainment Media, the number one channel for entrepreneurs on YouTube and founder and CEO of PHP Agency. Patrick, thank you so much for being here. Jason, how are you doing? Good. Jason, how are you, Patrick? Excellent. Thank Excellent. you. Okay. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So tell me, Patrick, I mean, you've been doing this value entertainment now for quite some time. I know you've been meeting with some intricate guests. Who would you say the most intricate, interesting person you've met with is? So I'd say probably, um, I mean, it varies. You know, you got John McAfee, who was extremely strange when we got there with his lack of trust for uh, media, military, FBI. The guy had AK-47s, M, you know, M4s all over the place with guys who were uh, strapped the entire time, former special forces guys. That was nine dogs in the background while we were doing the interview. Wow. That was different. Uh, Gloria Allred was very different. Michael Francis, who was the former mobster, now a good friend, uh, extremely intelligent and uh, uh, the way he sized you up and he watched you um, and, and his level of knowledge deeper than just a mob world and politics and power and sports. Very interesting guy. But each of them's interesting in their own way when you sit with these guys. Mm-hmm. I actually watched the one with Michael and I thought that your questions were phenomenal. Like, And it was very, very interesting. I mean, that one really caught my attention from beginning till end. I mean, when you're doing these interviews, I mean, how are you selecting these type of guests? Like, what what's the process in that? Yeah, so uh, for me, um, I, we have to be interested. So it's not, uh, uh, you know, we'll get calls and emails. If I show them to you, we'll pay $50,000, interview me. I am the CEO of such and such company. I think I'd be good for valuetainment. We don't work that way. We didn't do valuetainment as a source of wanting to make money. We did valuetainment because it's it, it was a hobby for me when we started it. It was never the idea of becoming a business, and now it became a business. Let me explain what ended up happening with valuetainment. Originally, the YouTube channel was called Patrick Bed David. I decided to change it two years into it, and I said, listen, what we offer is value, entertainment, and it's becoming a movement. Why don't we call it valuetainment? I said, I bet nobody has that name. Somebody has that name. It's a publicly traded company. In Europe, called Valuetainment. It's a big media company. You can buy their stock, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, man, I'd love to have that domain one day. And then we started creating so much content that he had to change his company's name. He changed his company's name from Valuetainment to Valuetees. And uh, we eventually ended up buying his domain. So effective this week, if you go to Valuetainment.com, we now own the domain. Because that's now becoming a media company. But that was never part of the plan. It was just to create content and see what we do. Uh, I run a financial firm. If you see right behind us here, if the camera was, you'll see a bunch of employees. Um, you know, our investors are Oscar De La Hoya, Gabriel Brenner, Adelaide Fund, $2 billion fund from uh, New York. Um, running an insurance company. This is a purely accidental business that got started. Wow. Well, you know, when I watch you on camera, you're a complete natural. Like, it's like, it's just... And it's one of the things I notice about you is it's very like gravitating. Like when I'm watching you do these shows and these episodes, I'm, I'm really one of the things I'm most impressed with is the questions that you ask and the depth that you get into. Um, you know, one of the things that I notice a lot about you is your story, you know, coming from Iran, coming here, you know, being an immigrant. Give us some background on that. Tell us who Patrick is 
and give us some depth into into your story. Yeah, you know, born and raised in Iran. Uh, I'm a 78, 1978 baby, October 18th. So that's the peak of the revolution in Iran. Three months later, the Shah's in exile. Um, we lived in Iran at the capital, Tehran, for 10 years. June 3rd, 89, Khomeini dies. Where I'm stranded all over the streets. Back in the days, people didn't have phones, so parents couldn't get a hold of me. Six weeks later, we left Iran. We escaped Iran. We went to Germany. I lived at a refugee camp for a year and a half. Then we figured out a way to come to the States, L.A., lived in L.A. for six years. And then I joined the Army, went to South Carolina, you know, Kentucky, Tennessee. Got out of the Army. I wanted to be a bodybuilder. I'd go to Mr. Olympia every year. I was the guy that was the supplement sales guy in my unit. I sold everybody creatine, HMB, V2G. Uh, what was the stuff that uh, uh, at that time uh, muscle take had come up with? Anotestin, Nortestin, acetylcholine, yeah. hydroxycut. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I had boxes of these supplements right. everybody would buy from me in the army, but I wanted to be a bodybuilder. You know, that's, I wanted to go to, you know, be a Mr. Olympia. And so when I started hanging out with the guys, with Aaron Baker, with Chris Cormier, and you'd go and, you know, party with these guys in LA at Century City. And then I realized how deep I had to go in order to be able to compete at Mr. O. Uh, at a 6'4 frame, I have to be around 320, 330. That's a lot of weight to carry. 6'3, 6'4 is not the frame to win Mr. Olympia. When Arnold did it back in the days, he was 6'2 but it was a different era. They didn't like the whole bulkiness. Today's a different ball game of bodybuilding. 5'10 is typically the best height for bodybuilding. And so I switched. I met a girl at Venice Beach who worked at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. We started dating for about six months. She picked me up in a different car. She had a lot of money. She was 24, 25. I said, what do you do? He said, I'm a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley Dean Witter. I said, how do I become one? She <laughs> says, you need a degree. I said, I'm not going to school. She says, well, they're not going to hire you. And so that's when I got, you know, started really pitching Morgan Stanley for a job. They finally offered me a position a day before 9-11. Then I got my Series 766. And that became my route. And I stayed in the financial industry and then came by attainment. Wow. So tell us about this, this investing that these people are doing with you and give us some background into that, you know, for people who aren't familiar with what you're doing in the financial world. Today or when I was with Morgan Stanley? Dean today, Wood. today. Okay. So today, here's, here's what, what I ended up doing. You ever read the book Blue Ocean Strategy? I've actually skimmed it, yes. Okay. So the whole concept of Blue Ocean Strategy is you got four different things you need to do to become a blue ocean. A red ocean is when everybody's trying to eat off of each other. It's like a doggy dog type of a place and everyone's bleeding. So sharks are eating each other. And the whole idea is to go to a blue ocean with no sharks and you're the only shark out there. And then you have a blue ocean until everybody wants to come and try to take your market away. I started looking at the financial industry and I said, so many people want all the business. You know, the the stockbroker is selling mutual fund stocks, insurance, mortgage, loans, PNC. And so they come to your house and they'll say something like this. You know, uh, I believe in a hybrid. And uh, we believe in selling you everything under the sun because we want to keep it all in house in one place. I said, I, you know, I don't trust that myself, let alone being that myself. I said, we're going we're gonna to figure out a way to do it differently. So we created a culture. Our focus was millennials, women, and uh, uh, immigrants, minorities. So our average age in the company right now is a 34-year-old Hispanic female. Average agent in the industry today is a 59-year-old white male. That became our uh, MO. 
We were going to build it off of social media, marketing, fun, hip, slightly different. We just had our conference with 5,000 people two months ago. Our entertainment of the evening was Kevin Hart. You're not going to see Kevin Hart in the financial industry. So then we minimized certain areas of products. We got rid of a lot of products. Then we advanced uh, on marketing in a different approach than the industry was doing. And then we eliminated broker dealers, securities, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Uh, and the reason why we eliminated stocks, bonds, mutual funds was because, and I know I'm getting technical, but you asked me a question, so I'm giving you the answer. We eliminated stocks, bonds, mutual funds because when you sell stocks, bonds, mutual funds, you have to do quarterly interviews and every single income you make, anything you do, you have to report it. So that slows down the growth of this business. And I said, this regulation prevents this from growing. Let's eliminate this. Let's just purely focus on insurance and annuities. So that's all we do. We sell life insurance and annuities. So to kind of give you some numbers there, uh, we started selling 100 to 200 policies a month, nine years ago, life insurance policies. Uh, this month, we'll sell 6,000 life insurance policies. Wow. Just to kind of put things on. So yeah. for people that are watching this, how do they get more information on what you're doing? How do they, if they want to be a part of it? Uh, you, you, go, you go to YouTube, type in the word PHP agency. You'll learn plenty, plenty about PHP agency. Uh, there's a video called Four Steps to Creating Wealth. Mm. That kind of gives you an idea about what we're doing with PHP. It's a whole 20-minute presentation that I tell the story. What would you say, Patrick? I mean, you know, meeting you, you know, a high-energy, ambitious guy. But what would you say that you're, say you're, what do you do when you're trying to perform? When the stakes are high, you know, you know, you, you really, you know, for whatever reason, you're tired, you know, you're down. How do you get yourself psyched up? What, what, what's your edge? Give us some insight on that. Yeah, so that's a perfect question you're asking because I'm on two hours of sleep last night, okay? We had some family dealings last night that was unpredictable. It wasn't the normal dealings we had. Uh, and so I slept at 3.30, uh, woke up at 5 o'clock. I've not slept since 5 o'clock. My body right now is running on fumes. And this is not normal, by the way. I'm not a tool. I'm not trying. You know, some guys you talk to, they say, oh, I, you know, I've had two hours of sleep and I do this every day. No, that's not, that's not how the body functions. But, uh, you know, for me, I am about, my entire MO is about testing my capacity. And I'll explain to what I mean by testing my capacity. I did a call the other day, a webinar for one of our offices, and I explained it in a way that, uh, you know, it doesn't always make sense. I'll try to explain it to you, and hopefully this makes sense. As a matter of fact, the paper's right here, so this makes it easy. You can tell it's just scratch paper. So imagine this in our lives are three different people, Okay. Each of these people have three different levels of capacity. This one has a higher capacity than this one. It's a reality. Like if we look at basketball, say this is LeBron James. Say this is a guy named J.J. Barea. Okay, J.J. Barea is like 5'10", 150 pounds. LeBron James is 6'8", 260 pounds with a 44-inch vertical. His potential on what he can do is a lot higher than what J.J. Barea can do, right? However... Each of us are in three different categories. You're either an underachiever in life, you're either an achiever in life, or you're an overachiever in life. His overachiever can't even compete with his overachiever because it's at a different level. So the first thing you got to figure out is you got to find out what your capacity is. I am always seeking for my capacity. And a lot of time for me to seek my capacity, it requires me to create systems the brain is a very lazy uh, 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 organism. It's not 
uh, it likes to create systems that you're not thinking about when you wash your body. There's a certain way you wash your body that you know automatically. If you go in the shower, you have your six, seven steps. You don't even think about it, you do it. Maybe you start off by brushing your teeth. Maybe you go here, maybe you go here, maybe you go here. But there's a formatting on how you do. When you brush your teeth, maybe you go like this, maybe you go like this, maybe you start tongue. You have a six-step process, but you haven't thought about it for the longest time because your brain likes systems. The more systems your brain has, the less it has to consume energy because it's automatic. I wanted to conserve my energy for the higher activity I need to do, so I'm engaged. So I want to be engaged here with you, right? And I test myself on days like this. Days like this, I used to say, I'm going to sleep in. I have a valid excuse. I'm tired. I got an hour and a half, two two hours of sleep lesson. I got three kids. I'm a millionaire. I have a lot of money. I don't have to come to work. I'm running a business that's worth a couple hundred million dollars. I'm the majority owner. I own 75%. No one has to tell me anything, but those are the days that I want to test my capacity. And I show up. So I'm not solving for how can I get myself going? I'm solving for what is truly my capacity. I learned this when I was in the military. One day they made us work 48 hours straight. Wow. I said, in the world that can go 48 hours straight. Guess what? We went 48 hours straight. It's very simple. We actually did it. And then you come back off a crash, and I'm not recommending people doing this, but uh, my interest is capacity. I am solving for capacity all the time. Is there anything right now that you feel that you need to accomplish when it comes to, say, like a fear or something that's going to bring you to a higher level of consciousness? Like, because what you're saying to me about capacity also yeah. relates to consciousness, you know, and, and I, I, you know, for me, one of the things that helps me dial in, right, is I like to face my fears head on. So I used to be, you know, scared shitless of, you know, heights. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to jump out of a plane, right? And I conquered that fear and it brings me closer, more connected. And every time I keep facing my fear, you know, is there something that you're still looking to do that you haven't done yet? If you ask me fears, I've never talked about this. I, I wrote a fiction book. Okay, uh, that tells you pretty much how I view politics, power, everything is how I view politics and power. It's a 96,000 word book. It's a combination of Hunger Games, Divergent, and I Am Legend together. If you had a combination of three stories, I Am Legend, I don't know if you've seen I Am Legend with mm-hmm. Will Smith, yeah. Divergent, you know what Divergent is all about, and then you got Hunger Games. You combine that together, that's the book I wrote. It's a story about a kid. Uh, that there's this uh, secret society who recruits uh, young, troubled kids, and they start following you from the age of 14 to 18, and you have to meet a certain criteria where they come and recruit you and say, you could be the guy right when you're on the edge of giving up. They catch you right there. They bring you in anyways. And then from there, they breed you into the biggest presidents, leaders around the world. And I share, I unload a lot of the ways I view things on politics, on how to run a nation, on how to run a country in that book. Uh, my fear is probably publishing that book one day. It's been sitting there for four years. I finished it for four years, and uh, it is not yet published. I have a painting right over here to my right, mm. a 20-inch uh, paint, 20-foot painting. Uh, let me see if I can even show you any angles of it. I don't know if you see it right there. There's a all the way in the back. And it's a painting with uh, the Shah of Iran in the middle. Milton Friedman, MLK, Senna, myself, Tupac, Lincoln, John F. Kennedy, and uh, Einstein, and it's in a vault. And they're in there talking about two books that's sitting on the table. Um, it's probably my fear. My fear is really 
unveiling my cause and crusade in life to the public and seeing how the public's going to react to it. And so I, I'm not sure if I'm prepared yet to do that right now or not. So that's the biggest fear. Outside of that, like, I mean, you know, what is it? Is it is it heights? I've never liked heights, but I'll face it. You know, I was in the Army. I had to do certain things where you jump out. Um, I'd say it's probably more vision, crusade, cause, than it's all the day-to-day stuff. Could you ever see yourself going into politics? You know, um, could I see myself, if I looked at myself as a product, here's how I would process it. You have no idea how much I try to push away politics, but it keeps coming back. I almost can't help myself. And it's like a magnet. It, it's, it's a pull. Sometimes, um, let's just say if I have something I put on my desk, whatever it is. Say I put a book on my desk, okay? I put a document on my desk. Uh, if I keep going back to that desk, to that book three months later, six months later, 12 months later, and I can't help myself, that's a pull. You know, I, 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 that's a pull. And so sometimes, you know, you hear the stories about uh, being called upon and being chosen, all that stuff. Sometimes when there's a calling to pursue something, you have to really pay attention to it. And so far, a lot of the signals says that maybe I will have a role in that. I don't know in what uh, 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 format of a role I have in it, but um, I'm always pulled to that world. Don't know why. It was never It was never something that happened until, you know, I was uh, uh, 29 years old when that started happening. My parents, obviously, my mother's a communist. My father's an imperialist. But this started happening around 29, 30 years old. I'm very observant to people. You know, like when I'm around people, I can sense their aura, and, you know, I like to go and I like to find people in their job, whether it's A&W, and I hire people based on attitude, you know. So, you know, I, I don't see the title. When I'm listening to you today, what really what, what I really hear and what I really feel is I see you in a high-level political role. Like, that's how – that's what's coming to me, you know. I don't know what it is. I don't know why I'm saying it. But for whatever reason, I see you going into that. And I see you really excelling, almost like a Joe Biden you know, like a maybe not a number one guy, but a number two guy. And I think you would be happy as the number two. I don't think you want to be like the way I see you. I don't see you wanting that number one. I see you being very, yeah. very, very happy with just being involved. Would that be accurate? I think I am uh, what you're saying. It, it's a it's a, a good assessment you're making. I am I am a. Uh, um, I am more of a king maker than being the king. I can I can take you and I can see and direct and give feedback and be a good sounding board to say, listen, here's what we can do with you. It's always been a very natural uh, state for me. So, yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. I, I could definitely see you really excelling in that. And I think that, you know, I hope I would love to read your book. And I hope after today you take action and publish that book. Because I've got a book coming out too, and I'm, I've been working on it for the last two years, but I'm moving every day, every second. I wake up in the morning, and I just spend an hour, one hour every day to get this book out there. You know, it's called Unleash the Barracuda, you know, and my book is about people that are going through life. They want more. You know, it's not about money. You know, we're at the stage now where I'm, I'm, not, I'm not fulfilled. You know, I've been very successful since I was 22 years old, Right. So for me, it's not, I don't need a new watch. I don't need a new car. I need the fulfillment. I want to go after my dreams. So when I say like unleash the Barracuda, you know, people are like, well, what does that mean? That's the moment that you decide to take action. That's the moment that you decide you want more for your life. You know, whatever that is. When I, when I speak to you, 
I totally see you as a kingmaker. I see you as an exceptional kingmaker. I appreciate the kind words. And by the way, I want you to know, I've, I've published four books. Uh, this just so happens a political book I don't want to publish. We're working right now with a Simon & Schuster book that's going to be coming out here soon that has to do with how to make decisions and how to process, like, what is my exact system that I teach our board, our executives that gets to a decision, the right decision to be making. That book is coming out here very soon, probably in the next uh, six, seven months. I'd say end of second quarter, early third quarter with Simon & Schuster. But this other book was purely politics. Running on two hours sleep, you've been amazing. We really appreciate you coming on the show. And, you know, thank you so much for your time today, Patrick. Thank you as well. Thank you. Take care. care.